Before we get into today's episode, I want to share with you some exciting news. I'm taking on a few more one-on-one weight loss coaching clients. So if you want a personal weight loss coach that will hold you accountable, head on over to bsbtribe.com forward slash waitlist and you can apply to join my coaching program. So the way my coaching program works is a little different than BSB Tribe, which is a group weight loss program. With personal coaching, you will meet with me on a weekly basis. All right, so we are going to have a weekly Zoom check-in call. I am going to help you with your personal macros, with your personal food plan, and coach you throughout your journey. So this is like extra accountability. I haven't done this in a long time, but I decided to open up a few spots for the summer months for women that need that more personal support and that personal accountability from a coach. So if that sounds like something that you would be interested in, I have about three more spots that I can fill up. Go to bsbtribe.com forward slash waitlist and apply for one-on-one coaching. Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Welcome back, Mama Friend. Today on the show, we have Abby, and we're going to be talking about all things periods, missing periods, what that means, why missing periods are not okay. We're also going to touch about calories, how many calories we should be eating as women and stress. And what's the difference between good stress and bad stress. So welcome to the show, Abby. Thank you so much, Leslie. I'm so excited to be here and talk to your audience today. Um, As you mentioned, my name is Abby and I'm a registered dietitian. I guess could be considered a performance dietitian because I do work with a lot of athletes, but I work with a lot of non-athletes as well. So really work with a whole uh, wide spectrum of people kind of as far as, you know, men, women, women who are dealing with hormone issues, maybe women that are dealing with gut issues. And I work alongside another dietitian in private practice and we're very functional medicine-based or functional nutrition-based, which means we essentially are really helping individuals work to get to the root of their health issues um, and figure out why they may not be seeing the weight loss they want, why they are having a stall in their performance, why they're having symptoms of inflammation. And we really help, again, to use nutrition and lifestyle to get to the root of these issues. And just generally, I you know love working with women that are trying to obviously balance their hormones and get in good shape. Um, and really I'm on a mission to help women understand their female physiology and the critical role that their hormones and their menstrual cycle plays in their fitness goals, um, but obviously their overall health. So when it comes to periods, I know you have your own personal story and your journey of why you are so passionate about this topic and why you talk about that, about horm- like periods in general and missing them and not having them and all the things. So share a little bit about your story with that. And then we're going to kind of dive into what the issue is with missing periods mm-hmm. and why we should be concerned if we continue to miss our periods. 
Definitely. So just to give a little bit of background about my history with this, I was an athlete very much my whole life, um, grew up playing sports, grew up being very involved in, in athletics and fitness and kind of fell very passionate about, about nutrition from a very young age, sort of from the performance end of things, but obviously getting into college and really having a, a seamless decision to, to study nutrition and become a dietitian. And along with that, I continued to um, play sport into the early years of my college years, um, as well as in high school. And I continued to lift and work out in college. And then it was at that point that I found the sport of CrossFit. And I fell in love with CrossFit and really from an early, early on wanted to become really competitive with it. And in the sport of CrossFit, uh, there's definitely a huge focus on fueling your body and nutrition and body composition. And I honestly just wanted really badly to compete in this sport. And I wanted to have a physique that supported me in doing that. So I, again, I, I would consider myself always having had an athletic body, but I really wanted to develop a leaner physique so that I could do a lot of the movements that were required to be able to compete at a high level in CrossFit, like gymnastics movements and lift more weight and um, things like that. So I started to dial in with my nutrition in a way that I never even thought possible. Like I always eat, ate healthy food and I, I knew what healthy foods were and thought I was eating, you know, a healthy and balanced diet, but I really tuned into counting macronutrients and learning what was in my food, which I think was really, really helpful. But obviously with anything, it can kind of be taken a little bit too far. And so I definitely got on the spectrum of becoming really hypervigilant with my food. And I was training hours and hours a day and not just training a lot, but training at a very high intensity. So there was a lot of stress going on from the, um, from the physical end of things. And then I also just by nature, to be honest, I'm a very kind of type A driven person. So with all things that I do, I, I want to do them hundred percent. And that can definitely lead to tendencies that create a lot of stress in the body, um, as well as being, you know, a college student and trying to live a normal college life, but also trying to do well in school, balance a job and balance a high level of training. So the point that I'm trying to make is really just painting this picture of a lot of, of um, stress going on in the body, physical, mental, emotional, and then also experiencing a weight loss um, due to dialing in my food and having a high level of training. And so it was early on in this, in these years of training and going through all this that I lost my period. And at first I really wasn't too concerned about it because I had known friends and other people that I worked out with that had experienced losing a period because we're athletes and it's normal. And I kind of just wrote it off, wasn't too concerned about it at first. And then, you know, months and months went by and then months turns into to years, honestly, to kind of fast forward. And it was five plus years later that I was still not getting a menstrual cycle and I was never on hormonal birth control. So that definitely wasn't a piece of it. I was trying to get answers for a really long time, but I wasn't necessarily getting the answers that I needed and was told by many physicians and gynecologists that I went to that it wasn't anything that I needed to be worried about because I was a high level athlete. I was 
um, training and I had a lean physique and that, you know, it just wasn't really anything I needed to be concerned about until I was, you know, ready to have kids. And so that's kind of the, you know, 10,000 foot view, bird's eye view of, of where my, my period issue started. And this condition, as I came to know it years on, is called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And that's one of the very common diagnoses that women get or not get when they should um, for having a missing period. So why is it problematic to not have your period? Oh, so many reasons. And that's such a good question. I think that many women think that the only reason that we should have a menstrual cycle or why it's important to have a period is because is, is if we want to have children. And obviously that is the most important thing, right? As women, you know, we're made to do one thing that no other uh, sex can. Men cannot do this, and that is to reproduce. And so if we're not getting a period and we're not having a cycle, that's an indication that there is something truly off in our body. And so it's important if fertility is something that's important to you and you aspire to be a mother and have, have kids. And so that's number one, why having a period is very important. But, you know, even with working with women and connecting with a lot of other women who have gone through this process, who have zero interest in having children, it is equally as important. And that's because of all the physical implications that can actually result from not getting a regular menstrual cycle. So just to mention a few, bone mineral density is a huge one, especially if you're young and competing in sports that require a lot of pounding, such as running or other endurance sports. We start to see a lot of stress fractures. We start to see, you know, re repeat stress fractures and things like that. And even as that continues on into your early or late twenties, early thirties, we start to see early signs of osteopenia, which can develop into osteoporosis. So that's another reason. And just to kind of give a little bit of the background of that, estrogen is highly involved in the uh, breakdown in, and remineralization of bones. So that can make you, can, can kind of make you, help you understand as to why we need to have high enough levels of hormones in order to have strong bones. So I would say that is a huge one. They've also linked um, irregular cycles and a lack of missing periods to increase risk of heart disease, which would sound kind of crazy because we want to think about someone who's highly active being at risk for a metabolic condition such as heart disease, but they have linked um, irregularities there. Just again, won't get into the nitty gritty, but due to a lot of the physiological implications of these hormones and the blood flow and how all of that kind of is connected. Gut health is another thing that we want to be talking about as far as as far as why a period is important because it all comes back to hormonal production. So estrogen and progesterone are the two hormones that, as we know, are main female sex hormones that kind of run the show. And when those levels are not in produced in adequate, in uh, adequate amounts, we have some intestinal permeability going on because estrogen is highly involved in, is highly produced in the gut and progesterone also plays a role in the whole calming effect and immune response at the level of the gut. So all these things are also going to increase someone's risk for developing intestinal permeability or leaky gut or having digestive issues. So those are from the physiological end, some of the most important things, but then we can also talk about symptoms. And that's a whole nother conversation of women that are not getting a period will have very common symptoms and it, it's almost like you don't realize that these things are going on until you recover your period and realize what that those lack of hormones were actually causing your body to experience from, from the symptom point of view. So when it comes to not having your period, 
what are the main causes of this? I know there's probably a lot, but if you would name, let's say the top three, what would you say is the cause of missing periods? Number one is inadequate food. So not consuming enough food to match your calorie expenditure. And this is often seen in a lot of women that begin an exercise regimen and they start training really hard. They start training multiple hours a day and they get very committed to getting in good shape or developing a a leaner body composition and cutting calories. And there is zero, you know, awareness of the stress that that body (laughs) is put under in order to perform and in order to be able to stay alive in the, in light of all of all the demands of the body. And so that's the biggest one. Number two, we would be thinking about stress. And obviously there's the stress component in terms of exercise. Some people may not understand that stress or exercise is actually stress to the body. Many people will think about exercise as being something that helps them relieve their stress, which is absolutely a um, a possibility. And in individuals who are well-fueled and are managing stress and are recovered, that stress is a positive stress on the body and can really help with adaptation. But in a woman that is underfueling and highly stressed and having poor sleeping habits, you know, I could go on and on, that stress becomes very negative to the body. And so that exercise is the second component there where it no longer is benefiting benefiting the female. Um, it's actually working against them because the training volume is just too high. And then this really is linked highly with the, the food component because those two work very closely together, but you also have to acknowledge the actual physical implications of the exercise itself from a hormonal perspective. So what I mean by that is when we're talking about high intensity, like high intensity interval training, such as CrossFit or doing a Peloton workout or something like that, your body dips into carbohydrate stores very easily. And as soon as that muscle glycogen runs out, we start to secrete cortisol to help get those blood sugar levels up. And so um, unlike some other types of more restorative exercise or longer, um, slow type of things, we get a huge spike in cortisol with really high intense things like that. And, you know, there's definitely a negative effect when cortisol becomes chronic and elevated for too long. So that's where the exercise piece comes in. And then the third aspect, we would be thinking about mental and emotional stress. Um, We don't think about the brain as being the problem when we are not getting our period, right? We think about, is there something wrong with our physiology, our anatomy, as far as like what's going on down there with our ovaries? our vagina, whatever it might be, the problem with missing a period is what's happening upstairs. There's a disconnect of the communication that's going on upstairs. And that's because there's, again, a lot of mental and emotional stress that your body almost doesn't even realize if it's running from a bear in the woods or running a 400 meter sprint repeats, or if it's stressed that it's not getting enough food throughout the day. So those are very different types of stressors, but the body is viewing them very, very similarly. And that's why women that are very, I don't want to say uptight in a negative way, but like, you know, have to have control over situations are very committed. You mean me? Yes. We're all raising our hands right now. Have to have control over situations are very dedicated to a task when they want to do it have a hard time sitting, have a hard time resting because they always want to be productive. When they do something, they want to break ceilings. I know I'm speaking to so many women that can attest to this right now. And when you're combining that, those mental and emotional tendencies and that type of energy 
and you're coupling that with low energy intake as well as over exercise, we have this toxic cocktail. Yes, not the good cocktail, not the one that you want, not the good good skinny margarita. And I, I think it's also important to note there's things like PCOS that cause missing periods. And I think that that's what happened to me with my story. I didn't have my period, but mine was like mixed because I was also an athlete running marathons, but I think I also had PCOS growing up because it's hereditary. So I don't even like know what it really was. I just knew that I got my period once a year. And I remember just like, like showing off about it to my girlfriends because they were complaining mm-hmm. about their periods. So I was like, well, I get mine only once a year. Huh? Right, exactly. You definitely are an interesting situation because there's a lot of women that are sort of battling this thing of do I have PCOS or do I have HA? And a lot of women that actually have HA are diagnosed originally with PCOS because the doctor's like, I don't know what's going on, but you definitely have a combination of the two, which is you had a combination of the two, which is very possible. What can you define what HA is to the listeners? Sure. Um, it's hypothalamic amenorrhea. Okay. And that is the, the uh, diagnosis that essentially inc- it's, it's, it's sort of a diagnosis by exclusion. And what I mean by that is typically if you're going in to see a gynecologist or an endocrinologist to figure out why do I not have a period or why are my periods irregular? They're going to do a whole workup of things to look at. Do you have PCOS? They're going to, you know, look at your testosterone. They're going to look at your DHEA. They're also going to look at, is there a pituitary tumor, right? There's certain hormones that they look at for that. They might be looking at, is there some type of genetic SNP, you know, malfunction where you don't convert cortisol in in this specific part or conversion? I don't mean to get nitty gritty, but those situations are very, very rare. Not necessarily the PCOS one, but those other situations, but they have to rule those out before they can say, okay, this is hypothalamic amenorrhea, which essentially means there's a suppression of the hypothalamus and there's HPA axis dysregulation that is driving that disconnect for ovulation and for fertility to happen. Yeah. And I think it's important to know that, you know, it's okay once in a while to miss your period. If you are going through a stressful situation or, you know, sometimes if we're starting a different way of eating, I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of the moms that listening, they do keto. And sometimes when you start keto, because it's such a change from burning glucose to now burning fat for fuel, your body's going through so many changes. Your hormones are involved. You might miss your period for a little bit, but what's not normal is continuously missing your period. So where would you say that line is where a woman should be concerned after how many rounds of missing her period? I would say three months. If you're approaching more than three months, that's where we can, we can characterize the situation as amenorrhea or specifically secondary amenorrhea. If you obviously missing a period at any moment is not something that we want to have happen because it's an indication that there's a stress on the body, but exactly what you said, it's going to happen here and there. And stress, especially in women, we're, we're highly affected by stress and our bodies respond very, you know, 
very, they're very sensitive to yeah. that stress response. And so it's going to happen. It's just that if you're, if you're going more than, if you hit that three month mark and things are not regulating, then, then it's time to investigate. Yeah. And I think it's such a, our periods are like our, our another vital signal to us as women and, and they are. And so when I, I'm just looking at myself and in my body and just kind of monitoring just the last couple of years since I started my business and how irregular my periods have been. And if I would miss a month, I would like, no, like it was my body signal telling me like, hold up Lasha. There's way too much stress going on here. You need to calm the F down. You need to make some changes. And so when I started really tracking it and paying attention to it, now I'm like waiting for it and I'm more excited about it because it's like a signal to me that everything's okay. And yeah, I'm still stressed out all the time. I'm still dealing with other hormone issues, but at least I know that I'm getting my period. At least I know that I have some, like some part of my hormones in control. And I think it's really good for women to monitor because most women don't even track their cycles. And I was guilty of this. I literally just started tracking like six months ago. And, and just this whole new world opened up to me of knowing like what to eat during different weeks and how to cycle and how to with carb cycling and how to work out and all of that. And knowing why do I feel so tired this week? Why do I feel like I can totally lift like 500 pounds this week? Why do I get chocolate cravings this week? It's all because of our periods and the way our body changes. And most women don't know this. And I think it's so important for us to really learn how our bodies work. I could not agree more. If there was one thing I could fix about going back to fifth grade health class and learning about the birds and the bees is teach women what their menstrual cycle is. All we learn is that we get this weird bleed once a month. But you want to know what's really interesting is that the period is not the start of the show. Ovulation is the start of the show. That is what we need to be tracking. As soon as you ovulate, you shouldn't be worried whether or not a period is coming. Your period is going to come. That is, but that's what we have kind of glorified as being the most important thing. That's just a reflection of whether or not we are ovulating. That defines whether we are fertile. And so I just wish that we could go back and teach women and definitely we're making strides with it now, but when, what is ovulation? When is that happening? What does that indicate as far as your fertility? And just like you mentioned, how can we really manipulate our food and our exercise to respond, to help us get the best response for that training and fueling that we're doing. And it can also help ease our mind knowing that when we're informed about what's going on physiologically in our body, we are able to give ourselves grace on why we're feeling a certain way. Cause I think that's such a huge piece of it. And I think you mentioned a really great point about the schools and it's important to note that, yeah, hopefully that changes, but if it doesn't us as mothers, right? The moms that are listening, you being a future mom, having girls, I think it's also then our responsibility to fill in those gaps because we cannot rely on the school system to teach our children everything that they should know. So as a mom, you first say, if you don't know, you got to go out and learn it yourself, girl. And then once you learn and you have daughters, now you can teach her so that she doesn't make all the mistakes so that she doesn't have all of these symptoms and all of these issues that are caused from missing periods and to really know what's happening in her body. So I think yeah, that's an important point. Definitely. And I think it just, we don't have to get into a whole conversation of this, but it could also prevent a lot of the disordered eating and eating disorders that we're seeing in young women nowadays. 
space is if they understand physiologically why their body's changing and how they can really work with their body and fuel properly, then we don't go through this such that, you know, this, these huge physiological changes, which then cause women to freak out and want to get super restrictive with their food. And it's like this whole vicious cycle where it's, again, it's not really discussed and brought to light as much as it should, especially in the female athlete population. And so we, we definitely have to have more of these conversations because I think we could be preventing a lot of the, the issues that we're seeing in young women. I agree. I used to totally beat myself up about the fact that I could not stick to my diet I'm using air quotes here, guys, the week before my period, because that was, you know, when your body really needs more carbs, more calories, it's building essentially like a new organ and everything. And I would be just like, I could not believe it. I was like, what is wrong with me? How am I? How do I have so much willpower all the rest of the weeks of the month? But then that week comes and I cannot control myself no matter what I did. And I just beat myself up for years. And then I finally learned why it happens. And I was like, such a relief. And now I tell my clients all the time, like the week before your period is the best week to carb cycle. If you're doing keto, bump up your carbs, bump up your calories. Don't feel guilty about having that sugar-free chocolate. Like I'm not saying go binge on Twinkies, but this is the week that you should be upping those carbs and not feeling bad about it because this is your body doing what it's designed to do. And just knowing that, just being that awareness and having that knowledge is just such a relief for women out there to know that there's nothing wrong with you. You don't, it's not that you don't have willpower. It's not that you suck. This is your body doing what it was created to do. I love all of that. And that is a conversation I love having with my clients is like, did you know in the one to two weeks, especially Fun fact. In, that, in that five to seven days before your metabolism is increased by 10 to 15%. Okay. What happens when our, in, our metabolism is increased from 10 to 15%, we are going to require more food. That is not you just being a bottomless pit and having no self-control physiologically, your body needs that fuel. And it's, and it's, it's not a time to restrict. So it's exactly what you said. I think it's information is power. Knowledge is power. And is when you start to have a better understanding, you can have so much more grace for yourself. Yeah. And it's awesome. Cause you can eat more food and get away with it. I mean, who doesn't want that? I think the ultimate goal of, of what I'm trying to create, right. And look what the goal is for weight loss is here. Here it is, right. It's mind blowing here. How much food can we get away with eating while still losing weight, being lean, being fit and, and being healthy. I love right? that. That is the comment that I made to another group of women I was speaking to yesterday. The ultimate goal, how, we want to be able to eat as much as we can and maintain our weight and see weight loss if that's what our goal is. That's the goal. Yeah. Not depriving, not counting calories, not restricting, not feeling hungry all the time because we want to, you know, wear fit into a certain size jeans. It's how do we get to that point where we can eat as much of like be satisfied, but still be healthy. And there's so many other obviously factors that come into play with that, but that's the goal, not on the opposite of, you know, how, how little do I have to eat to, to reach my goals? It's how much can I eat to still reach my goals? And there's certain ways to do that. And if we approached it that way, that completely changes how we approach health in general and wellness as women, because I feel like the diet dogma and the, and just the culture is all about eating less and restricting 
Whereas I'm like, let's turn it around like upside down and eat more. And how do we make that work? So there's so much, and this is obviously a whole another topic, but back to the missing periods, I want to talk about, so a woman finds out that she's, you know, she hasn't had her period in three months and, you know, regardless of if she wants to have babies or not, it's important. What does she do? What are some steps she can take to start correcting it rather than having to go and get pay for expensive testing or be on birth control because that has its own side effects. And that's like worse. Like it's so bad guys to be on birth control long-term, especially. So what does a woman do? What are some steps that she can take to correct this? Definitely. I think you made a good point about the hormonal contraception, which I just wanted to touch on really quick is because I didn't mention it as it being a reason that someone could miss a period. So that is a very common reason that people actually miss a period because of how the synthetic hormones are manipulating the normal production. And so that is very common. And again, women are often recommended the hormonal birth control pill to regulate their cycle. But as we know, what hormonal birth control is doing is not fixing whatever the problem is. It's sort of just masking whatever hormonal imbalances you're having. And so just wanted to touch on that really quickly. Obviously, if you're seeing irregularity in your cycle, especially if it's going more than three months, it's not a bad idea to make sure that you rule out anything too, too crazy. So if you're able and you have the resources to go and get some lab work and see a specialist to rule out, is it PCOS? Is there some crazy you know, pituitary tumor, which again, I think I've known one person that that's happened to in my time as a clinician. And then the, the most common thing that we're thinking about here is tapping into what is the driver for you from a, from the stress perspective. So again, what a woman is going to have to do in order to get their period back and recover their cycle is going to look a little bit different because every body is different and everyone is in many women can be on, on a different spectrum as far as the whole um, amenorrhea piece as far as hypothalamic amenorrhea. So the biggest thing that I would suggest that you do is to try and manipulate one factor, whether it be your exercise or whether it be your food. Those are the two biggest things that need to change first. So increasing your food, whether it be, you know, for women that are tracking their calories, I would suggest potentially stepping away from that for a little bit and starting to tune a little bit into more, in, more intuition with eating and not trying to put an exact number on what you're trying to consume every day and more so allow your body to dictate what it needs and what it wants because hunger is the, is the sign that it's ready for food, as we all know. Now, for some women who are eating so low calorie, they may not necessarily have those uh, intuitive signals working for them because hormonal signaling and yeah. appetite can be suppressed, right? So that is something there, to there's, uh, there's also women that have leptin resistance. So it's yeah. hard for them to know when they're hungry. And that's I'm important hungry. to note that, yeah, normally, you know, you would, you would eat when you're hungry and then intuitive, the, here's the thing about intuitive eating. It sounds great unless you have a problem with leptin. So this is where I'm like the people that just preach, oh, just eat intuitively. I'm like, unless you're leptin resistant because you can't, you don't know how. So it's important to to say that. I want to rewind a little bit about the testing. What would you recommend is the best test out there? Is it the Dutch test as far as getting a full panel of what's going on in your hormones for women that do have the resources that kind of want to do a full dive? I believe the Dutch test is one of the most comprehensive things we can do because it's giving us a little bit better picture about what your hormones are doing. So 
Obviously, if you're not cycling and you do a Dutch test, it isn't always as helpful because in the aspect of like your progesterone levels are going to be bottomed out because you're not ovulating. So you're not going to have robust levels of progesterone. Estrogen, we could maybe see a little bit as far as what, where your different estrogens are going, but again, probably going to be on the lower end. But what we can see in a Dutch test is what cortisol is doing and what DHEA are doing, what are, and what a lot of those adrenal hormones are doing, which can really help us tap into, is there HPA axis dysregulation going on? Now, that is definitely helpful for women, generally, who are looking to look at what their hormones are doing, but women that may maybe aren't cycling. But if we're looking at more of a conventional approach, and you have access to that, you it's definitely helpful to, again, go to a specialist and see, are they able to test DHEA levels, testosterone levels, um, and to investigate whether PCOS is an issue or request an ultrasound to look for ovarian cysts. But then also thyroid is another thing that you could definitely look into. And that's something that is, is good to get through a conventional blood draw because we need to see thyroid levels through serum, through the blood. So we're looking at TSH, T3, T4, a reverse T3 if you can get it, and then thyroid antibodies. So just wanted to go over that really quickly. Those would be the conventional things to look for, but I love the Dutch test as far as getting a really nice adrenal picture that can help give us a clue as to, and, and really confirm this is what the root is. This is what the root of your missing period is. Yeah. So if you have the resources, do that first, because then you're not like just throwing, you know, spaghetti at the wall to see what works or not. You'll really get a picture of like, okay, this is my problem. Now I know how to fix it. But a lot of women don't have the resources to do this. So if they don't, you said you mentioned the whole thing with stress and working out. So you mentioned food, okay. Mm -hmm. And eating intuitively, but let's put a calorie number just for a range, because a lot of women that are listening, are probably under eating and they don't realize it. So what would you say for an average, I don't know, most of the moms are probably in their thirties, average 30 year old woman, woman should be eating on a daily basis. If she's let's say low to low activity. Yeah. So as I always have to say, everyone's going to be a little bit different because recommendations need to be personalized. But generally when I, when I see women, it's very rare that I am recommending that they be under 1800 calories or even under 2000 calories. And that might be a huge shock to women. And that's even on the low end for someone that like, if we were trying to get to a goal number for them to just maintain weight at, not even trying to lose weight, we should be higher. We should be over 2000 for, for most women. Now there are definitely situations where it could be less, but I do have to say that women who have not had a menstrual cycle. Maybe if you just lost your period, this may not necessarily apply to you. You might be able to make a few tweaks with your diet as far as adding a few more servings of carbohydrates a day, adding a few more sources of healthy fat a day, and tapping into whether you might be doing a little bit too much intensity, which we can get into. But for an individual and for a woman that has not had a menstrual cycle for months, and they're looking to gain their cycle back, the number that we're trying to reach for is 2,500 calories a day. And okay. that might again, seem like a lot, but for many women, they have been in an energy deficit for so long that we need to overcompensate and tell the body that it's safe. And yeah. so that's sort of what we're shooting for. So I'm hearing that women that don't have their period should not be concerned with weight loss. Their, pri their priority should be to get their periods back. 100%. We cannot even think about weight loss 
until we recover a cycle because not only physiologically is your body not going to be able to do it because again we're in such a deficit and it's in survival mode that it's really going to be a struggle for that body to even release fat from your body but there's obviously so many other physiological side effects of not having our cycle that continuous weight loss is only going to perpetuate the problem and lead to feeling worse. Yeah. So no lower than 1800 calories a day for a woman, especially for a woman that's trying to recover their cycle must be over 2000 calories. Okay. So I want you guys to hear that because I know a lot of you are majorly, majorly under eating the whole 1200 calories a day, even 1500. I mean, even I struggle getting 1800 to be honest, because I practice intermittent fasting and just mom life. And I know a lot of you moms are thinking, when the heck am I going to have time to eat that much? And it's not about eating that much. We don't want to eat like more times a day. We just want to have more food when we do eat, like more protein and more fat and having healthy carbs. It's not about have now switching from eating three times a day to 17 times a day. We don't want to do that because we're just going to put our insulin and blood sugar always roller coaster. But we want to actually now, you know, do like increase our protein and our fat and our healthy carbs and then get more food in that way. So I'm glad that you said that because a lot of women don't know this. The second part is exercising. So when we look at exercise, exercise, you know, right now we're very obsessed. We have this like Peloton culture happening. The marketing's amazing. I had a Peloton. I sold it. I did an episode back in, I don't even know what number it was. If you want to go back and listen to why I sold my Peloton, but not going to get that into that here, but there's this culture with, you know, hits and Peloton and, and even like CrossFit sometimes can become too much. So a woman that's like wanting to get in shape and she's really like addicted to exercise. What does she do? Cause we don't want them necessarily to stop exercising. So mm-hmm. what kind of changes should they be making as far as exercise goes? Something that you can do if you're dealing with this whole HPA access adrenal dysfunction piece is to really tone back the high intensity training. So less high, high, high heart rate, less running, sprinting, jumping. Again, what is characteristic of high intensity interval training? What you can kind of look to replace some of that training with is more longer restorative walks, something like yin yoga, where you're not, it's not power yoga, where you're sweating and doing a bunch of crazy movements, something that's restorative, slow, And then for other women that maybe need a little bit more of a stimulus could think about doing some weightlifting. So again, weightlifting is going to still give you that stimulus and help to build and maintain lean muscle mass, but it's it's not going to have the the response that that stress response that we're thinking about with high intensity interval training. Oh oh my God. Weightlifting is like my favorite lift weights. That's all you need. Just lift Lift weights. As Stacey Sims once said. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So we got the food, we got the exercise. What else can we do as women to get our periods back? So those are the two biggest things I would say. And I just have to say it for what it's worth for women that have had HA or have not had a cycle for a long time, whether it be over three months to six months to a year, thinking about reducing exercise to the point where you're just walking is something that you can consider because if you're very serious about getting your period back, Sometimes women need to truly downregulate the entire stress response for several months. It does not mean you will not work out or exercise ever again in your life. It's a temporary means to an end for someone that needs to recover their cycle. 
so for what that's worth. Um, but as far as diet and exercise, those are the two biggest things, but we cannot, we can eat all the spinach, we can eat all the peanut butter, we can do all the walks, but if we do not pay attention to what is between the ears, there will not be substantial progress made. So it's really tapping into what is driving these mental tendencies and really reshifting your mindset about exercise and food and trying to find some comfort in having less control over these things in your life. Because if you're still holding on to that, you're, if you're just thinking, okay, well, I'll try and exercise a little less and eat more to get my period back, but then just revert back to your old ways the same exact thing is going to happen. So you really need to work on the mental and emotional piece of it, tap into, you know, identity and um, find ways to have, feel less stressed and, and feel relief without having to do that. And so that's a huge piece is this, is the stress reduction and the whole mindset, uh, emotional shift that needs to happen. Yeah. I think it's, it's all about building those long-term habits and doing something as a lifestyle, as opposed to a quick fix or a diet mentality. And also knowing the, the brain body connection and how much, what we think, how much of our mindset and our thoughts and all of that affect the rest of our body. So again, you know, like you mentioned, you could eat super healthy and even work out, but if you know, you've got stress issues, high cortisol, and you're also thinking all these negative thoughts, your body's going to respond to that. So that's super important. And you know, it's hard to say this for moms, like, Oh, just work on your stress, relieve your stress. Cause it's like, sure. I'll work on my stress. You want to take my kids for a month because they are, I'm sorry, love them, but they're why I'm so stressed. But you know, what I have to point here is that a lot of times we, we look at the big picture and we're like, well, I I just, I'm so stressed. I just can't. But when we really think about our day to day and what we do and what we make time for my question to you, mama is, can you take 10 minutes out of your day to just be alone? Can you wake up 10 minutes earlier to journal, to meditate, to take a walk around the block by yourself? Those little things add up and they matter and they help. Absolutely. There is, we have to create time for ourselves and put ourselves first and anyone that can, you know, we all have five or 10 minutes. We all do. And I think that's such a great point that you brought up, but something else that I want to say is Absolutely. For those moms who at baseline, their day is just very stressful with kids and activities and driving and X, Y, Z. That is where you cannot control all things, but what you can control is what additional stressors you're putting on your body. So if there's an insane day, right, where you didn't, the kids were up during the night, you didn't sleep. There's a million things going on. You have to prep dinner, you, whatever it might be. That is not the day to be ending your evening with a 50 minute Peloton ride or to go midday and run sprints or to go to a high intensity interval class, because that is that additional stress that that's controllable for you. And so if we're thinking about the whole tolerance of stress that your body can have, it's like, okay, it's, it sucks sometimes, but your kids and whatever has happened during the day, it's maxed out for you there. So now it's time to figure out how you can mitigate additional, that additional burden and be very aware of that and and cognizant of of what you choose to do with your food and your exercise. Yeah. And that's so hard for us type A moms that just want to do it all and I have to do this and I have to do that, but it's making it worse on your body. And that's, that's the biggest point here to understand too. So there's so much information and just to wrap up, 
in a few sentences, what would you say for us women that are still in our reproductive years? What are some of the things that we can do to really help our hormones and to not have any of the long-term side effects that we can get from missing our periods? Listen, I would say it's very hard for me or anyone to say, you shouldn't do HIIT training. You should eat this. I just encourage women to be the authority of their own body and really start to tap into how they feel. How do you feel after you've done a 50 minute Peloton ride? I'm sure, of course, you're going to have little endorphins pumping afterwards, but really start to pay attention to how you feel throughout the day based on what you're eating, how much you're eating and the type of exercise you're doing. If you feel phenomenal, if you are sleeping great, if you are maintaining a body composition that you're happy with, then I would never tell you to change what you're doing. And if that involves high intensity interval training, then continue doing it. It's that we like to put the blinders on when things aren't going right and to try and ignore it because society and diet culture and exercise fitness enthusiasts are telling us to do a certain thing, but just do it. It's like Nike, just do it. You just got to push through it. Yeah. So I just kind of bring it full circle. I would just encourage women to get curious about their bodies and to really just start to listen and pay attention to the signs that it's giving you, because that is the indication of whether or not something needs to change. That's awesome. All right. So where can our listeners find you, learn more about you, see what you're up to? Oh, yes. So I, I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram and trying to do a lot more on Instagram. So it's Abby at Abby, Abby underscore Mitchell. Um, and then again, as I mentioned, I work alongside another dietitian um, in the practice for fuels, for nutrition. So we write a lot of research-based blogs out there and we have a lot of fun things going on in there as well. So you could head there. It's FWD Fuel Sports Nutrition. Um, those would probably be the biggest two places. But of course, if you guys have any questions or anyone wants to connect further, message me through Instagram, send me an email, and I would love to love would love would would love to connect with you guys. And you, you're based out of Cleveland. So yeah. are you taking new clients right now? Absolutely. Definitely seeing one-on-one clients and some spots opening up for this summer, um, as well as doing virtual appointments if people would prefer to do that. So lots of, lots of nutrition coaching going on over here. That's sort of the meat and the potatoes of what we do. And I love working with women and I love helping them get to, you know, finding, finding realistic and sustainable ways to to eat the rest of their life and balance these hormones out. That's awesome. So we'll put all of your links in the show notes and I want to thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Don't forget to tag me at BSB Tribe. If you want even more resources, make sure to go to www.bsbtribe.com and head on over to a private community on Facebook, Fit Mom Squad, so that you can get connected with other moms who are crushing their health goals. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Until next time, keep focused on your goals, mama.